0: This Saturday, Charles III will be formally crowned King of the United Kingdom and 14 other countries in an elaborate Beano at London's Westminster Abbey. His wife, Camilla, the Queen Consort, will undergo something similar. Regular listeners to The Foreign Desk, like there are any other kind and so forth, may you recall that we went all in on the last major British royal wingding, i.e. the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II last September. Episode 455 of The Foreign Desk, still available wherever superior podcasts are downloaded, explored the diplomatic and soft power subtexts of the event with a cast including King the III of Lesotho. One of our better efforts, if we say so ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This Saturday, however, we're not going all in on the coronation, but all in on the following week's Eurovision Song Contest these are of course vastly different occasions as one is and we've probably just got another one of these in us a gaudy and incomprehensible circus of baffling weirdos in silly outfits capering bemusingly about to a soundtrack of dismal music narrated by unduly reverent commentary utterly out of tune with the pointing and jeering at the television contemporaneously occurring on millions of sofas around the world and the other is the eurovision song contest Here all week, thanks for coming out. Try the Coronation quiche. Ew! Anyway, this frankly ill-judged scheduling means that the Coronation doesn't get a full episode of the Foreign Desk and is instead downgraded to this mere explainer. And perhaps this may come to be viewed by posterity as an inadvertent metaphor for the declining relevance of the monarchy itself. Who knows? Come oh, pick <sighs> up. just get on with it. Before we get into what the coronation itself consists of, it's important to note that it doesn't bear any constitutional significance. Charles is already king, and indeed has been since the moment his mother died. The Prince Charles Philip Arthur George is now, by the death of our late sovereign of happy memory, become our only lawful and rightful liege lord, Charles III. There isn't a halfway house-king-elect sort of thing going on, not least as nobody elected him. Right there is some of the fearless satire which listeners have come to expect from this The Foreign Desk Explainer. Advocates of monarchies are fond of pitching the continuity angle that whatever else may be washed in, out or away by the tides of history, the roots of one family's tree will nevertheless bind the soil of a nation, enabling the general flourishing and blooming. On that score, Britain's monarchy has put up impressive numbers. The first monarch crowned at the original Westminster Abbey was William the Conqueror on Christmas Day 1066. The first crowned in the Abbey as it currently stands was Edward I in 1274. And the same arrangement has been made for every monarch since, with the exceptions of Edward V, who died in murky circumstances in the Tower of London in 1483, aged 12 before anybody could put a crown on his head and Edward VIII, who abdicated in 1936, six months prior to his planned coronation, to the vexation of retailers lumbered with the souvenir tea towels. Though proceedings went ahead as scheduled with his bewildered brother, Prince Albert of York, being upgraded to King George VI. I present unto you, King George, your undoubted king, work for all you who have come this day to do your homage and service are you willing to do the same? A lot of what will go on this Saturday will be arcane, abstruse, or just plain odd, though this is arguably only to be expected from the accretion of nearly a millennium's worth of tradition and ritual. The king will recite a number of oaths. He will be daubed with holy oil, although, as was the case at his mother's coronation, the first one ever televised, this will be done off-camera, behind the anointing screen, a recently acquired product of the Royal School of Needlework, the Worshipful Company of Broderers, Drapers and Weavers, and the Worshipful Company of Carpenters all of which sounds like the bands formed in the wake of a vicious bitter schism in a mid-70s folk group, but are all real things. It is known, however, that the holy oil was consecrated in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem back in March and will be poured from the beak of a gold eagle into a 14th century spoon. The king will be presented with a bunch of clanking paraphernalia, including but not limited to a couple of maces, a pair of scepters, a few swords, a set of spurs, some bracelets, bracelets no less of sincerity and wisdom, Whoa! an orb, a ring, a gauntlet, a selection of crowns, and more changes of cape than an Elton John encore. Oh, yeah. There will be an amount of chair hopping from the chairs of estate used by Charles's mother, to the throne chairs used by his grandfather, to the coronation chair commissioned by Edward I circa 1296. Mounted therein is the 150 kilogram stone of destiny, shipped down from Edinburgh for the occasion. It is perhaps an ambiguous symbol of the Union, given that before a wooden platform was installed above the rock's resting place during the 17th century, it furnished incoming monarchs with a literal pain in the backside. It is probably just as well that Saturday's spectacle is so completely beholden to immemorial strangeness. The primary innovation, other than coronation quiche, which has been floated for KC3's coronation, is sensationally misjudged, an invitation to those watching, especially in large gatherings, to participate in the swearing of an oath of loyalty to the new king. It may just be the company that your correspondent keeps, but while this idea seems indeed to have prompted a fair bit of swearing and a good few oaths, they have not been the kind Buckingham Palace wanted. For Monocle Radio, I'm Andrew Muller.